0: Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. We're going to start today's episode with a thought experiment. Think of a museum. The first museum you think of. What does it look like? Hold that thought. Now, think of a theme park. How different do they look from each other? My guess is pretty different. But the Kennedy Space Center Visitors Complex in Cape Canaveral, Florida has aspects of both. On the one hand, it's a museum. Galleries featuring spacecraft, historic launch pads, and a complete Saturn V rocket laid out in an enormous room. But on the other hand, it's a themed attraction, a destination featuring ride-like simulators, themed concession stands, and the new Space Shuttle Atlantis experience. It's as if the complex, only a short drive away from Orlando, Florida, is competing for visitors against one of the globe's most effective themed attractions, Walt Disney World. As it turns out, not everyone mentally separates museums and theme parks so discreetly.
1: They have a nuanced view about the relationship between entertainment and education.
0: This is Tom Owen, a vice president of PGAV Destinations who worked on that new Space Shuttle Atlantis experience at Kennedy Space Center.
1: Hello, uh, my name is Tom Owen. I'm a a vice president with PGAV Destinations. My background is in theaters, uh, scenery and lighting design for theater. And so I've, I've been able to incorporate that theatrical thinking into my work with museums and zoos and aquariums and theme parks really the in- entire time I've been here. So that's that's been a lot of fun.
0: It's not surprising that someone who works in both museums and theme parks would see similarities between the two. But I am surprised that Owen doesn't see the world divided between education and entertainment.
1: I think that entertainment is a great way to educate people. If it was just the dry facts, people would get bored and leave, you know. So entertainment doesn't diminish education. In fact, I think it it often uh, times makes it more effective.
2: We believe that you can actually learn quite a few things from theme parks and themed attractions. If you can appeal to emotions or connect people with people, there's opportunity uh, for learning in all types of attractions.
0: This is Diane Lochner, who is also a vice president at PGAV, and she also worked on the Space Shuttle Atlantis experience.
2: Hello, my name is Diane Lochner. I'm a vice president at PGAV Destinations. PGAV works on designing destinations and attractions where people spend their leisure time. My background is actually in architecture. I'm a registered architect, and so my intrigue is the understanding of the built environment but how that impacts visitors as they're working their way through attractions and museums.
0: And the Space Shuttle Atlantis experience can be described as both a themed attraction and as a museum. The exhibit, which opened in 2013, features one of the three remaining shuttle orbiters, the white part of the U.S. Space Shuttle system that looks like a giant glider. Lochner and the rest of the design team use principles of themed attraction design to introduce visitors to the orbiter.
2: So we made some conscious decisions about how to introduce people to the, the shuttle itself. It's a, a, it's a very scripted, linear experience prior to witnessing the shuttle, and that was intentional. Because we needed to emotionally prepare the visitors to accept the information that they were going to learn about the shuttle. And so, before anybody actually sees the shuttle itself, there's a, a short pre show film that gave a little bit of information, mostly about the, the people that were involved in designing the shuttle. It's not heavy, it's, it's not deep, it's not long. And then they move into another theater that has got a very inspirational film, again, about the shuttle and, and the launch and some of the sequence of, of the process uh, of the shuttle. And then, and then finally, the, at the end of that film, the shuttle is revealed very dramatically.
0: This type of time control with a required film reminds me of a more recent example, George Washington's headquarters tent, displayed at the Museum of the American Revolution in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This tent is presented in its own theater with screens and projections. If the tent was simply set up in a gallery without the focused attention, people would just walk right past it. But by making a large production out of it with lights, screens, and sounds, the effect is a viscerally memorable experience. Now, back to the space shuttle Atlantis.
2: The image on the screen actually sort of aligns with the Space Shuttle Beyond at the end of the film, the screen actually lifts up and the visitors are presented nose to nose, so to speak, with Space Shuttle Atlantis. It's really been an interesting thing to watch um, visitors clap and cry as that screen lifts up and reveals the shuttle. We created that really important preparation so that people were ready to receive the information and, and, and sort of start to learn and start their experience at Space Shuttle Atlantis.
0: After the screen dramatically lifts up, revealing the orbiter, visitors pass through a hole where the screen used to be and enter the Atlantis display, after which they are free to wander through the entire gallery. The main idea of the gallery is that the US space shuttle system was an innovative program designed to reuse spacecraft so that the frequency of going to space could increase and astronauts could get more work done in space.
1: The main takeaway about the Space Shuttle Atlantis attraction was the idea that the individual orbiters, the, the the thing that looks like the airplane that everybody thinks of as the shuttle, was part of a system. And that whole purpose of that whole shuttle program was working in space. And so we depicted Atlantis uh, as a workhorse. In fact, the way that we chose to to display it was banked at a, at a dramatic uh, banking and with the payload bay doors open, telescopic arm deployed just as it would have been at the moment that it was pulling away from the International Space Station. So that, that message of, of Atlantis at work was a, a, a powerful image that we wanted to in, ingrain in the minds of people. Every exhibit that was designed had to be approved by NASA's STEM education team. Um, so there was, a, a, you know, again, a very strong interest that uh, people learn and, and that but also that the project would inspire the next generation of a space exploration. The, the project wasn't designed for people that were already space enthusiasts or already knew a lot about space. It was really designed for the most part for people that we wanted to inspire so that they would become space enthusiasts and maybe take an interest in STEM or maybe even take an interest in a career in the space program.
0: So here's that middle part of the Venn diagram, the intersection of a themed attraction and a museum. The Shuttle Atlantis experience is educational, and it deals with a set of historical events. But it heavily relies on some of the principles of themed attraction design to get the point across. Fundamentally, I see themed attractions as engineered to create a specific emotional response in visitors. And through that, they offer an escape from the real world. They are a chance for us to enter a fictional world. Frontierland, an Old West-themed land in the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, never actually existed. But the clever trick is to make it feel like a lived-in space that has its own history. When I'm in a fictional world, even the smallest thing that reminds me of the real world takes me out of the illusion. And hilariously, sometimes a theme park will even go so far as to put up fake historical markers and even museums that describe people and events that never happened, but nevertheless led to what the environment looks like today. But when I'm learning about the real world, I'm not sure the same strategies always apply. The real world is messy, and the study of history, for example, is not amusing. In episode 17 of Museum Archipelago, I covered the spectacular failure of a Disney theme park concept called Disney's America in the early 90s. Disney's misguided idea would have put a park showcasing, quote, the sweep of American history, including the institution of slavery and the Civil War, within a fun theme park environment just outside Washington, D.C. Cortland Milroy, writing in a series of Washington Post editorials about the then-planned Disney's America around 1993, brought out the inherent contradiction of the project merging a fun day out with a view into American history. He writes, against the backdrop of continuing distortion of African-American history, which includes awful textbooks and self-induced amnesia about the legacy of slavery, a slave exhibit by Disney doesn't even sound right. By contrast, The U.S. space program happens to be an example of a much less problematic history that, as a result, works displayed in a themed attraction setting and one on U.S. government property, not at Disney World. Being a shuttle astronaut was extremely risky. Of the five shuttle orbiters that have gone into space, only three of them are still around to display in museums. But nobody became a shuttle astronaut by accident. And since the failed Disney's America concept, The big theme parks have stayed out of attractions based on real-life histories, or at least relatively recent real-life histories. Instead, they have blurred the lines between various destination types by switching modes. Both Owen and Lochner see a world where competition for visitors leads museums to focus more on creating that specific emotional response you find in themed attractions.
2: Museums are beginning to investigate other attractions relative to relative to continuing to capture more visitors. Certainly, the ones that we're talking to in the most recent projects, they are uh, really beginning to understand that they might have to do some things that are a little more out of their norm relative to, to appealing to visitors because they still want to make sure that obviously they are achieving their goals relative to educational standards and things like that. But, but certainly the competition for time has really increased. And so I think, I think in general, museums are starting to think about uh, different ways of, of curating the experience for individuals and really beginning to connect to, to visitors' emotions in, in different ways.
1: And even though the the objective of Disney may not be for for visitors to come and, and and learn something, or at least not to to be able to like go down a list of facts that they learned about a certain topic, which you know some museums might say is is their objective, I think people learn things. You know, going to theme parks. Um, for example, if a if a kid is at a certain age where they're they've been fearful of roller coasters, but they they get brave and they decide to to get on a roller coaster they're learning something important important about themselves. And the fact that they're put into a, a, an experience that's really uh, special and over the top and different from their everyday experience, it, it inspires them and it opens up their, their world of thinking.
0: When thinking about museums as a medium, it's useful to look at theme parks too. Theme parks and themed attractions are an incredibly young medium. And I wonder if we'll look back at the recent big immersive theme park experiences like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and the new Galaxy's Edge Star Wars Land and see a golden age of themed attractions, like the golden ages of film gone by. What role museums play in all this remains to be seen, but it all comes down to what people think of when they hear the word museum. At the beginning of this episode, what did you think of? Museums will continue to resist categorization. But I wonder if the trend for the largest, most visited, and best-funded museums of the world will continue to be towards themed attractions. The carefully choreographed visitor experience at the Space Shuttle Atlantis might make its way to history museums. And when that happens, you'll hear about it on Museum Archipelago. Club Archipelago members get access to a bonus podcast feed. This week on Club Archipelago, a collection of thoughts about the role of trust between people sponsoring exhibits who are emotionally close to the topics and outside contractors who do the nuts and bolts. Join today at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. This has been Museum Archipelago. You'll find a full transcript of this episode along with show notes at museumarchipelago.com. Com. If this is your first show, don't forget to subscribe for free in your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.